First of tonight's readings is Genesis 48, and we are going from 8 to 22. When Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, Who are these? They are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, Bring them to me so that I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, and now God has allowed me to see your children too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his fist to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right towards Israel's left hand and Manasseh on his left, on, on, on his left towards Israel's right hand and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head. Though he was the younger and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel has delivered me from all harm. May he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. When Joseph saw his father placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was displeased. So he took hold of his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to him, No, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a people, and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he, and his descendants will become a group of nations. He blessed them that day and said, In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, I am about to die, but God will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. And to you I give them I can't read that, more ridge of land than to your brothers, the ridge I took from the Amorites with my sword and my bow. And now we go to 49. It is 1 to 2 and 8 to 12. 49, Jacob blesses his sons. Then Jacob called for his sons and said, Gather round so that I can tell you what will happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen. Sons of Jacob, listen to your father Israel. Verse 8. Judah, your brothers will praise you. 
Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You've returned from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness who dares to use him, to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations will be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sally Ann. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Nice to see you all. Um, please do keep that open in front of you. Um, let's pray, shall we, as we begin. Uh, God our Father, thank you so much for your, your word to us. Thank you um, for it. And we pray that you will help us to understand it. Uh, sometimes it can be confusing. Sometimes it can be uh, really odd to us. Um, we pray, Father, that you will, uh, by your Spirit, open our eyes to see you and see what you're doing in the lives of those in, in the Scriptures, but in our lives. What are you doing now and how we can live for you? For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we all have things like that, that are called um, guilty pleasures, don't we? I think they're called guilty pleasures, things that we're not supposed to like if you're a 45-year-old man. And um, there's a couple of, in my life that I can think of. I, I like things like bargain hunt um, and um, things like uh, death in paradise. Some of you will have no idea what those are, but you, they're, they're things that's supposed to be maybe of a certain generation like and others don't. And I think that goes for for all of us. We have things that we're not supposed to like. And, and one of them is that I, I have come to terms with this, is that I, I actually quite like Strictly Come Dancing. And uh, uh, some of you will know Strictly Come Dancing. Uh, I'm not going to dance for you, don't worry. <laughs> um, but um, the one that, that I was reminded of tonight is that the, one of the contestants is a, is a lady called Rose Ailing Ellis. Uh, and uh, she's, she's very good at dancing. I think she's from EastEnders. But she's also deaf. And um, it's been really interesting seeing how uh, the show and how she has been communicating uh, with, with, e- with each other on the show and with us. And it's shown us the really important thing of British Sign Language and how that's really important. And sh- shone a light, hasn't it, on that. And uh, so... Um, I, I've learned a few sign languages, uh, moves, and uh, so do, what does that mean? Thank you. You see, you all know these already. You must know this one because Andrew does this quite a lot for me doing, that means sorry. And this one? Applause is applause. That's right, you see. Uh, that's it. I know, that's all I know. <laughs> I only learned them a few minutes ago. But it's, it's, it's really important, this, and it's been, Good to um, to engage with that. And tonight is all about hands. That's my cheesy link to do with hands. And uh, this this whole sermon really is about hands. Um, Jacob's hands, and as we will see, God's hand. 
Um, and um, when the Bible was written, um, it was written to people who couldn't read. Most people couldn't read. Very, very few could read. And so the writer writes things in order for you to help you to see things visually. Um, and you see that all the way through the scripture. That's actually why we read the scriptures out loud, because it helps us to see uh, what it is God is trying to communicate. And what you notice in this passage is how the writer is painting a picture of what Jacob is doing with his hands. Okay, There's the, the repetitive use of the word hands to focus us on the climax of the story. In fact, the whole story uh, of Genesis not least Joseph, that we've been concentrating on so far. Jacob is almost totally blind now. He's an old man, he's at the end of his life, and he stretches out his hands to bless, to bless Joseph's sons, um, Manasseh and Ephraim. And in verse 15, uh, Jacob says to Joseph, God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who delivered me from all harm, that's a reference back to many uh, years before, may he bless these boys. So Jacob is deliberately, um, with his hands, holding the the key to understanding, actually the whole section of, of not only the life of Joseph, but the life of Jacob, and therefore the, the life of the whole of the scriptures. And in many ways, our life, it shows us, points as a picture of, of our own life. Jacob's at the end of his life, and it's often, isn't it, at the end of our lives that we get, where people get quite contemplative about their lives. And so they look back on what has happened in the past As he stretches forth to bless, he's also thinking about the past and what God has done in his life. And it's worth us now. All we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to see how God has been at work in Jacob's life all the way through. And this is an eight point sermon. Oh, you're worried now, aren't you? (laughs) But don't worry. They're all quite quick. And what we're going to see is what, what Jacob does with his hands. Because it's all in the hands, okay? So it's in the hands. We're going to focus on uh, Jacob and his hands. And first of all, we go all the way back to Genesis 25, which I think is in the next slide. And what we see is hands that grasp, okay? You see hands that grasp. The birth of Jacob, chapter 25, verse 24 says, When the time came for Rebekah to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and the whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. And after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping at the heel of Jacob, uh, of Esau. So he was named Jacob. Jacob, the name Jacob means grasper. That's exactly what he's doing. That's what they named him. He's a grasper. And that's what we see in his life as he struggles with grasping at things, at trying to control things, at trying to take things that don't belong to him. And you see that all the way through his life. That's the the sin that he struggled with, was sin of grasping with his hand. And sometimes um, God had to bring him to terms with that. 
And, and, and I don't know, maybe that is something in your life about the hands that grasp at things. Then we move forward to Genesis 27, and we see the hands that deceive. We read, uh, egged on by his mother, Rebecca, he deceived his father, Isaac, by disguising himself as the elder brother, Esau, in order to get his father's blessing. He cheated him out of his birthright, his inheritance. And it says that then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her, eldest, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on the youngest son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth parts of his neck with the goatskin. Jacob went in to close to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. You, you're probably familiar with the story. You see, hands that grasp turn into hands that deceive. Okay, that's the story of Jacob in that chapter. One leads to the other. As we grasp, we then deceive, don't we? Because we're seeking to control situations. And often that's how we operate as well. Then we get hands that receive, thirdly. But we see the, the first of two really significant things that happen in Jacob's life, two real turning points in his life. Um, in, first of all, in chapter 28, and it's the, the dream. Uh, Jacob has a dream of a ladder. You know that sort of story we often talk about. It's Jacob's ladder. He's fled from Esau. Esau's trying to kill him. He stops to rest, and he uses a stone uh, as a pillar, uh, he rolls it over with his hands, and he has a dream. And he goes, he has a dream of going up to heaven and into the presence of God. And despite all the, the grasping and all the deception and all the controlling, God is being gracious to him, isn't he? God is being kind to him. Really unexpected turn that God should do this. God shows him undeserved kindness and grace covering over his sins, and that starts to change him because that's what changes us, is God's grace in our lives. The same hands that grasp, the same hands that deceive are the hands that now bring about change in, through grace. Early the next morning, Jacob, with his hands, took the stone he placed under his head and set it up on a pillar, poured oil on it, and he called that place Bethel because that's a place where he met God. Hands that grasp, hands that deceive, hands that deceived become hands that now receive God's grace. We then see in Jacob's life hands that held. Uh, perhaps one of the most amazing stories in the whole of Genesis, Genesis 32 uh, and it's alluded to in the reading that we had, recalls the darkest night of Jacob's life. Um, he sat alone. Uh, he, he's reflecting on the mess that, that he had caused, uh, that was his past, and he encounters a divine messenger, who we read actually is, is God. And what does he do? He wrestles with him. He wrestles it with him until the morning. Guess who wins? 
there's only one winner when you're wrestling with God. And he does, he, he wounds Jacob in order to make that point. He wrenches his hip. But what does Jacob do in this situation? He holds on with his hands, doesn't he? He holds on to God. I will not let you go, he says, unless you bless me. And then we get the sun rising, it tells us, in the east. Uh, uh, Jacob, who had been this grasper, has his name changed. Significantly, his name is changed from grasping to Israel, which means he strives with God. So he struggled, and God showed him grace. And yes, he did go away limping as he wrestled with God, a man who was ultimately holding on to God. And he wouldn't let him go. Are you wrestling with God in some way? Hands then that held, hands then that hope. Chapter 35, we move on to, we read of Jacob who is grief-stricken over Rachel who dies in childbirth. And with those hands that had been grasping and deceiving, he now holds um, a child. And he, uh, he then goes on and lays a tombstone over Rachel's grave. But he holds this precious child as his wife um, dies. And his last, her last words was, as she breathes her last for she was dying. She named her son Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrows. But his father named him Benjamin. And why did he do that? He ignores his uh, wife's request and actually names him Benjamin because Benjamin uh, means, actually means son of my right hand. Son of my right hand. Again, you see the hands coming up again. You see, what's happening in the, in the darkness and in the confusion and in all the mess and the horribleness of that moment where there's great sorrow and great disaster, what is happening is he's taking this child and he's, he's hoping, isn't he? He's not letting that crush him. He's looking to God, the son of my right hand, acknowledging that God's goodness will prevail. No matter how bad it might get, and it can get really bad, God will prevail despite the sorrows. So I'm not going to name the child Ben-Oni, son of my sorrows. I'm going to name him son of my right hand. See, that's what we need to often remind ourselves. Hands that hope. (laughs) Yet... We read in chapter 37, we hear the hands that divide. And this is where we come to Joseph, isn't it? And the story that we have been engaging with these last few months. Uh, We have um, sin and grace throughout Jacob's life. Sin, but God's grace keeps going. Jacob here, with his hands, makes a special robe for Joseph and shows great favoritism which is not good, which causes divisions. I mean, he does it with his own hands. And then when Joseph 
is he thinks Joseph is dead, um, he refuses to be comforted. He says, I will refuse to be comforted. The same person who was comforted by the hope when Rachel had died now has no comfort. Joseph is just like us, you see. He's a walking contradiction, isn't he? He sees sin and grace working together in his life. Because then God works things so that hands that divide also embrace, hands that embrace, that is what we had last week, um, as he grabs hold of his son, doesn't he, in chapter 30, 46. It says, Joseph had his chariots made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept. And you can only imagine that Jacob as well grabbed on with his hands. I don't know who you long to embrace. Maybe there's people that are no longer with us that we'll see in glory that we long to embrace. (coughs) Hands that embrace... And then finally we come to these hands that bless. At the end of his life, um, we come back to our reading as Jacob stretches out his hands to bless Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And why does he do such a thing? Um, What's that all about? Uh, And why does he reverse the order of inheritance? Why does he do that switcheroo thing with his hands? Well, I think think it's only to show us that, again, it's a reminder that God's ways are not human ways. That the the structures of inheritance and all that are not necessarily the ways that God works his ways out. Not through human invention, but through God's plans and purposes. And what's really fascinating is if you go, and we've got on the screen, to Hebrews 11, where you get the lists, many of you will be familiar in Hebrews 11, you get a whole list of, of the, the great and good of faith, as it were, a list of faithful. When it comes to Jacob, talking about Jacob, the only event that is recorded is this one. Of all the events that he... The writer could have written about the wrestling or the, 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 the uh, meeting in Jacob's ladder. He doesn't write about that. He writes about this one of all events. He says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. What's he doing in this? Recognizing, well, what is he doing? He's, he's recognizing here that God will keep his promises and that's what the writer of Hebrews wants uh, us to remember that God keeps his promises Um, and that he will make his descendants into a great nation not just his sons but now looking to his grandchildren to Manasseh and to Ephraim and these are the words that are picked up in Genesis 48, verse 3. We didn't have that verse read, but I'll just read it to you, recalling when God Almighty first appeared to Jacob. He said, I am going to make you fruitful and will increase in number. I will make you a community of peoples and I will give you this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. See, after you. you see, by faith, Jacob blesses Joseph's sons 
with his hands as a recognition of God's faithfulness. God is going to bring about his promises to make them a great nation. They're not in Cana yet. And they're not a great nation yet, are they? They're, they're in Egypt, in Goshen, in the wrong place. And they're a very tiny group of people. But it's in recognition, this blessing and reaching out with his hands, God is going to do it. God is going to bring it about. God will fulfill his promises. You can make that absolutely certain in your life. That is what faith is about, knowing that God will do this, that his promises are good. And ultimately, we've called this series, Joseph, the Hidden Hand of God. And that, we've been talking about Jacob's hands, but really, the one hand that we should be looking to is God's hand. God's hand has always been at work all the way through here. Jacob had come to trust the hidden hand of God. It didn't start well as he grasped, as he deceived But as God showed him grace and kindness, it changed him. And by the end, he was promising and a faith in his God's promises that he would bring them to pass, that he would make them a great nation to rule with wisdom and and, uh, that they would be rescued. And you see that rescue already beginning to work itself out in Joseph's life, that he restores them and makes sure that they don't uh, fall into famine, They're, they're moved to Egypt. And yet there's another son who will one day rise and lead his people. And that's where the reference to Judah that we had read. Joseph talks about all his sons, but particularly Judah, he says, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nations is his. And we know, if you've been with us these last few weeks, Judah swapped himself for Benjamin, didn't he? He stepped in and took Benjamin's place. Judah had been changed by that whole incident with Tamar. He'd been come to face with his own sin and God showed him grace and he sought forgiveness and he was changed from that moment. And all that points us, all Judah points us to is to that greater son, who will fulfill fully all the promises, which, of course, is in Jesus Christ. And it's not surprising that right at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 5.5, it says, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and the seven seals. Jesus is the lion of Judah. He is the lamb that was slain. He is our substitute who dies in our place to rescue us from our sin, who has made us a great nation and will one day fully and finally bring that to pass. Do you believe that? Do you have faith in that? Because God has promised it and he's shown us that it has happened in the past. It will happen in the future. It is the hidden hand of God at work. The hidden hand of God at work, I believe, is happening right now in our lives, in your lives, to bring his promises to pass. I don't know about you, but as we look back in the last year, the last 12 months, or even in the last week, I don't know, it might be that for you. What has been in your hands? What has been in your hands? Uh, What has filled your hands? You know, where have our hands been grasping? 
Where have our hands been deceiving? Where have our hands been dividing? And yet, where have we seen God's grace at work? Forgiving us, restoring us. Where have we seen us holding on to God despite all the troubles and all the sorrows? Where have we held on to him? Where have we trusted him? Where have we embraced him? Where have we hoped that he will bring us through even the darkest of hours? Uh, We'll all be answering that question differently. As we come forward in a moment to receive communion, and we may be We may not be taking because we're concerned, obviously, in in the pandemic. But let's receive the communion in our hearts. But also let's be thinking as we receive it in our hands, by, by faith, to the one who has shown us such grace, who has shown such grace to Jacob. Such grace. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your words. Thank you for uh, just how um, wonderfully it fits together and how beautiful it is and how wonderfully it shows your grace. You see, we see it in Jacob's life and we know it to be true in our own lives. Father, we pray that you'll help us to, to look at our hands uh, and We pray that we would receive your grace and that we would hold on to you and know that your promises are good, that you're a faithful God, that you brought your people into a great nation. You promised a king in the Lion of Judah, your son Jesus Christ, who has brought things to pass for our salvation through his death on the cross who will one day come and restore all things. Help us to hold on to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.